Anderson, half court heave for the It's one of the most iconic shots in NCAA history, and it came from a Merrill native. Here on the Highlight Zone podcast, we've been looking back at some of the greatest moments in North Central Wisconsin history. This came when Paul Jesperson was at Northern Iowa. 11th seeded and major underdog, you and I was tied at 72 all with Texas, and that's when Merrill native Paul Jesperson Drill the three to send you and I to the round of 32. Uh, let's go back to Merrill. I, I was looking up some former stats. It seemed like you had the clutch gene before you even went off to college. <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want to say that, but um, I, I did work extremely hard to, you know, get into the position I was in. Um, so I've always felt like I was prepared for moments like that. Um, obviously, I had a few in high school and then a few in college. Uh, but I just always felt prepared and I never, never was afraid of, of being in a moment where, you know, balls in your hand and the game and you got to make a play. Um, that stuff I always look forward to. And that kind of like motivated me and my workouts to, uh, to get some stuff done. Now, when you were at Merrill, you guys made it to state. Obviously you were the leader of that team considering you went D one. I, I highly doubt there was anybody as good as you on the team. No offense to those guys, but, uh, you led Merrill to its only state tournament win. Now, I know it didn't end the way you wanted, but I, I, from what I read, you knocked off a team that was pretty much unbeatable, quote-unquote. Yeah, we. Uh, I think they were ranked number one in the state. Um, coming into that year, we were. I think we were ranked top ten in the state as well. But, you know, we had a little bit of a letdown um, in our regular season play and non-conference schedule and some of that stuff. But uh, we were able to regroup. And I think everybody on the team – at the end of the day knew like this team is, is a state team. Um, so we were able to obviously figure things out a little bit late and went on our run and obviously it came up a little short, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a well-remembered season. For sure. And then you go and commit to Virginia and you go to Virginia. We won't talk about that much, but obviously Northern Iowa was a fit. What, what changed from you going to Virginia and all of a sudden being like, I want to go to Northern Iowa and play a key role in this squad? Yeah, you know, Virginia was great um, for me. I, I don't want to discredit those guys at all because um, that staff, Coach Bennett, um, Coach Williford, Coach McKay, Coach Sanchez, you know, a number of those guys are still there. And um, they got me when I was an 18-year-old kid. Um, and I handled some things like an 18-year-old kid. But uh, – you know, they helped me grow up and really mature. Um, they showed me what college basketball and competing is truly about. And, um, you know, I'm forever indebted to those guys because, you know, obviously things didn't work out for me there. And I ended up leaving and going to Northern Iowa. But the stuff I still carry with me um, from Coach Bennett and that staff and, you know, Dick Bennett was around us a lot. Um, that whole family, um, you know, has really – really propelled me later in my career. And then it's helped me a lot get to where I am today. And then obviously Northern Iowa went there and, um, you know, they struggled my redshirt year. Um, but we were able to have two very successful years following my redshirt year. And, um, you know, they made some memories and some relationships with those guys that I'll never forget. What, what changed from your red shirt year to the next two seasons where you guys kind of just ran through the valley? Um, I think really what it was is we had more of a buy-in on the defensive end, honestly, um, because as far as 
a whole new team coming in. It really wasn't that. We returned a lot of guys. Obviously, my senior year, we, I think, had four or five seniors leave. So that was a little bit of a, of a changeup. But um, that year I sat out defensively. We just weren't where we needed to be offensively. We were very successful and, and showed what we could what we could do, but um, we just didn't bring it on uh, both ends of the floor. And that kind of changed my last two years there and obviously made two NCAA tournaments and the rest is history. And then the game we all remember was the round of 64 game where you're playing Texas and let's, we'll get to the moment. We'll get to the moment that everybody wants to hear about, but that the start of that game couldn't have gone better. You guys jumped out to like a 20 point lead and it seemed like you were going to roll uh what went so well at the start of that game that you guys took such a big lead it's funny that team so we had i transferred from virginia there's our point guard transferred from tennessee um and then we had a number of other guys who were high major guys had high major offers but decided they wanted to stay closer to home or whatever the reason may have been but you know we were a high major team playing at a mid-major school um, and we had guys that believed that we belonged to be there. And I think that was the biggest thing. You know, it was an extremely competitive team. I still remember open gyms in the summer where we'd get after it on the court. Guys would be, you know, cussing each other out, getting each other's face. I think that that stuff honestly got us over the edge um, because we competed so hard. We set ourselves up to be in situations where our back were kind of backs were kind of against the wall. And, you know, we had to muster up some stuff and, and figure it out. And then Texas, obviously being in the power program that they are, they kind of hit you guys back in the mouth in the second half. Uh, what were the concerns when that second half started to happen and things started to snowball in the wrong direction? Yeah, we knew they were going to go on a run. I mean, it's basketball, right? Everybody goes on their run at some point. Um, we played a very good second half. Uh, I just remember that team being huge. The front line, the fours and fives, those guys were huge. And that was a concern for us at halftime keeping those guys off the glass, um, you know, one shot and done defense and then, you know, getting out on offense and doing our thing. And uh, so we talked about that at half. We're like, listen, these guys are going to go on a run. Um, we just need to keep our composure, kind of weather the storm a little bit, and uh, we should be fine. And we were able to. Speaking of the big guys, a guy like, I believe it was Cam Ridley, who was the guy in the post that was very good for Texas back then. What's it like when you're going in a, you probably weren't guarding that guy necessarily, but being in that area and trying to battle somebody that that's big, people around here don't know what that's like. So what's it like facing a guy who's 250 pounds? I remember coach going into that week was just like, listen, we need tag team rebound and we need everybody down there hitting this dude. And then, you know, everybody else come back and grab rebounds. And that was kind of the message to us going into that game. We knew those guys were huge. We knew that it was going to be it couldn't be a one on one box out game. Otherwise, we're going to lose that battle. Um, so it was uh, it was a very physical game. Um, but, you know, we were set up for that for, you know, kind of the week of preparation we had going into it. Um, I think we did a solid job with it. Obviously, you always want to clean up a few things. But I think for the most part, we did a solid job. And then it's back and forth. Uh, after Texas made the run, it was back and forth for the final few minutes. As you're setting up toward this last second shot where you know it's going to be tight, uh, inevitably we're going to come down to either a buzzer beater, at least something's going to happen at the end here. What's going through your mind as you realize the clock's ticking closer and closer to zero, not necessarily when your shot happened, but before that? Um, I, so I think Isaiah Taylor came down the floor 
and I don't remember if they ran a pick and roll or he just went ISO. Made a tough shot, actually. West defended it pretty well. Um, and our coach is kind of – that's kind of how our year went. Like, don't call a timeout, kind of. Defense isn't set. Let's let's let this thing play out and see how it goes. And, um, you know, Bo Hannon made a great find, and I was able to get get open, kind of cross over a couple of defenders, and I uh, got a good look at – got a good look at a half-court shot. And I knew it felt good coming off my hand. I just – you just never know with those shots, right? You never know if it's going to be long, going to be a little short. Uh, but I knew it was going to be straight on. It felt like it had a chance to go in, and thankfully that thing went in. <laughs> Obviously, you guys work on last-second plays consistently. How much did you know the ball was going to find you, or was that just an in-the-moment thing? It hit you, you did the little crossover thing and chucked it up, and it, and it went in. But uh, how much was the plan Was there in place that if this gets to this situation, we're finding Jesperson? We didn't have um, like a no timeout. Like I know, you know, some teams have like a, that type of situation play. We didn't have one in place for that situation. So it was more so about obviously you want guys to be in as good a spacing as you can at the end of the game. Um, I believe we had West flashing back to the ball. I had my butt to a sideline. I think we had the other sideline filled. Um, so I remember our spacing was solid, but it wasn't necessarily a particular play. I think thing that um, kind of goes unnoticed is in those situations, you always kind of want to get ahead of steam going to the other other end of the um, court. And obviously I was able to do that. And Bohannon made a heck of a find and um, that game went our way. <laughs> yeah, he. I noticed Bohannon kind of almost like lollipopped it over the top to you. And then you did the crossover. What What's going through your mind as this is unfolding? Are you envisioning what your next play is when the ball comes in your hand, like what you need to do right away, or is it just instinctual that you'd got to do this and then heave it? Um, you know, I just remember looking at the clock and, and getting a grasp of what the time was and what, what it was going to be like when I caught it. So I had an idea of how many times I could put it on the floor before I had to get it up. But the rest of that stuff is just kind of instinctual. That's, that's, that's why you, uh, you kind of get in the gym and obviously you, trust your instincts and if the defender comes you try to you know um escape the pressure a little bit and and get a clean look at the basket and i was able to uh get a clean one so the question everybody probably asks you is how much have you practiced those half court shots <laughs> and how often did you make them when you were practicing them no i it wasn't ever a thing obviously as a player you always mess around before or after practice and we'll let a couple go but it was never something where i was in the gym chucking half quarters and, and stuff like that. It was never one of those things. Um, but it uh, obviously there's a little bit of luck with it. Um, but um, I think a lot of it is it goes back to, you know, you don't directly practice half court shots, right? But if you're in the gym, you're doing the right things. I think you prepare yourself mentally for a moment like that. And I think that that's kind of the mo most undervalued and underrated part of that shot. Texas fans are going to ask you this. Uh, did you call bank? And if you didn't, did it still, <laughs> does it still count if you didn't call bank? No, but I called game. <laughs> <laughs> the old, what was that, Paul no, Pierce? I, I, <laughs> yeah, it was. I, no, I did not. I did not call bank. Um, like I said, I knew it had a chance to go in. I didn't know if it was going to be long or short, but I knew it wasn't going to be left or right. Um, so uh, it did obviously bank in, and um, it doesn't matter. The thing still went in, so I'm counting it. <laughs>
now let's push to what happened after. What was the reaction like? I see you running around, and I think you did the little jersey thing, if I remember correctly. I tried to watch it last night, but what happened after the event? I remember, so at that end of the court, um, all of our kind of family and fans were in that section. Um, so I remember throwing my hands up and, you know, trying to find my parents. My brothers were there. Um, you know, my sisters and, um, obviously my family was there. So I remember just trying to find them in the crowd. I'm searching around, searching around, just trying to lock eyes, but it was special just to have it be on that end of the court. And then all the people who were with you the entire year supporting you there, that was, that was electric. Did you ever find your parents or is it still, are you still looking for them? I found, I found, found my parents and my brothers. Yeah. I was able to, uh, I was able to find them and lock in on them. And that was, that was pretty special. Do you remember what the reaction was? I don't remember exactly what they were doing. That part of it's a little bit of a blur. There were so many like familiar faces that I saw in that crowd. It was just cool to see everyone, the big smile, everybody's up jumping and cheering. And then obviously your teammates are right on the court with you. So my first initial thing was like, let's find these guys, celebrate with these guys. Cause these are the guys who are next to you all year. They're in practice with you. Um, they're grinding out practices and, uh, so I was just celebrating with those guys and taking it all in. How much did your phone blow up after that? I know when Jordan Poole hit his shot, he had the phone out and he said, you hate to see it. So <laughs> what what was your phone situation like? And what was your reaction when all of a sudden your phone was kind of exploding? Yeah, it was... Um... It was going up for a while. Um, I remember it had died a couple of times, um, but, uh, you know, our coach um, and one of my brothers had just told me, like, listen, you got another game coming up, so take it in for a little bit, but you got to turn that thing off, put it on mute, whatever you got to do, because you got to get focused and locked in for your next game. So I took it in for a little bit, um, and then, you know, I obviously didn't get a chance to respond to everybody right away like I wanted to, but... I obviously connected with those guys later, but, um, you know, I responded to a few people. And then after that, I just kind of put it on the back burner and, and addressed it later. Obviously we all know what happened in the next game. We won't talk about that, but what was the reaction on campus when you finally got back to campus and everyone is like, this is the legend that hit the half court shot. What was the reaction on campus? Like, yeah, it was cool. Um, I remember a lot of people were just super supportive because of the up and down year we had, um, you know, in Valley play, there was a stretch where we dropped a bunch of games um, and it wasn't supposed to be like that. Obviously like our non-conference schedule, we had beat number one ranked team in the country. We beat number five. Um, we had done some, some things in non-conference play to put ourselves. If we would have took care of business in, in conference play, we'd have been in a very good spot come um, the selection, but, you know, we dropped some. So I think that everybody was just supportive and um, and very, you know, on board with us that we kind of weathered that storm and we didn't give in when things were going hard. You know, we kind of just doubled down and and um, said, listen, this is our last go around at this thing and let's try to make it the best we can make it. And I think everybody took notice of that. And, you know, like I said, they're extremely supportive. Switching from campus to Merrill, uh, North Central Wisconsin, do you I'm sure you heard from some of them, but do you know what the reaction was like in the central Wisconsin area? Cause that was before my time. So I'm curious, <laughs> what was the reaction from your hometown and maybe your parents know better, but what did they tell you it was like? 
Um, you know, it's funny because those are the, a lot of those people are the ones that I responded first to just because a lot of those people were with me, whether it was friends coming up or it was coaches I had when I was younger. Um, you know, I made sure to hit all those people back cause they, they had no reason to support me, you know, obviously other than I played with their son or, you know, we played together on a team when we were younger. So it was cool that they, you know, kind of locked into the game and, and not just that game, but they had followed our season pretty, pretty religiously. So, you know, for those people to hit me up and, um, and support me that entire year and my entire college career, that meant, that meant the world to me. So it was cool to see a lot of those people, um, super excited about it. You know, some people still are tagging me on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram about stuff. Um, so it's cool that uh, that stuff still pops up in their timelines and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I know my mom said that she was getting asked from everybody about it. Um, so she was excited to talk about it. But, uh, but yeah, it was cool to see, you know, the hometown and, and that part of Wisconsin show as much support and as much love as they did. I don't know if you, how much, how often you go back, but is that the first thing everybody brings up to you when you are walking around town and they notice you? They're like, Hey, remember the half court shot you hit? Is that, is that always the first thing that people bring up? No, you know, now it's died down. Um, I don't get a chance to go back as much as I would like. Um, but, uh, you know, when I do go back, um, a lot of my friends obviously don't live around the area, uh, really either anymore. So when I do see, you know, old coaches and stuff like that, it's more so about like, Hey, you remember, little league games from fifth and sixth grade when you guys are running around doing this and now you're doing this. And um, it's more of that type of stuff than it is. Hey, it's the half court guy. <laughs> so when you go to Northern Iowa and visit campus, I'm assuming it's a little different. That's more so, Hey, it's the half court guy, or is it, is it just kind of civil and normal, like back home? Um, you know, it, around this time of year, you start getting hit up on like Twitter and Instagram a little bit more. So it's cool to see, um, you know, like, um, some of our radio announcers and stuff like that, um, when you hear from them and, and then when you do go back, you see some people and they'll talk about some memories that, you know, they had when, when that season was going on. So it's always special to hear that type of stuff. Um, but you know, when I go back, it's mainly to see, you know, the, the teammates I have that are still living in the area and coaching staff I played for. Um, and it's, it's, it's more than just that moment, um, for us, usually we're talking about you know, the ups and downs that we went through and personalities that meshed and didn't mesh at times. Um, so it's, it's more of that type of stuff. You don't have to ring it yourself, but in Northern Iowa basketball history, is that number one on the uh, history rankings of things that happened? Um, I don't know about number one. Um, it's got to be up there. I know Ali hit a big shot uh, against Kansas. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, that's up there. That one might be up. That might that might be higher than mine. That was a big shot, and that kind of you know put you and I really on the map. So he's he's kind of the um, originator, and that those guys who played with him are kind of the guys that were like, okay, Northern Iowa. You know, we consistently hear this name in the in the tournament, and they always make a little run. So. He's probably the he's probably got the number one spot locked up. <laughs> and as we conclude here, because I don't have much else to talk about, because we've pretty much detailed the whole thing. But uh, what do you miss most about those days? Obviously, you're doing your thing. I think you're playing in Spain, correct? So I actually finished playing um, two and a half years ago now, and uh, now I'm working in the NBA for the Atlanta Hawks. 
Oh, that's so cool. What do you do with them? So now I am uh, do a lot of player development, a lot of on-court workouts with them, and then like an assistant video coordinator. So I'm breaking down opponent scout games and um, helping form game plans for uh, these guys that we play against. So you're staying on the scene still then? Just trying to, trying to. What were your favorite memories? Obviously the shot itself is a memory in itself, but what are some of the favorite memories and things you miss the most from your college days? I think if you would ask that question to probably like 90% of basketball players, um, I think a lot of people would say the same thing. It's like the competitive atmosphere that you just, when you're not playing anymore, like you have it obviously as a coach and you have it, but it's not the same. Um, that competitive atmosphere that you get to do every single day, whether it's practice, open gym, you're playing a game, like that's probably the thing that I miss the most. And I personally haven't found anything that compares to that. Uh, maybe some other people have golf, tennis, I don't know. But um, for me, that's what I miss the most. Um, and uh, yeah, that's hard to duplicate. And, and even flashing back farther, what do you miss the most about your North Central Wisconsin Merrill days? Oof, that one's a tougher one. I kind of miss, honestly, the late night, empty gym, um, weekends, early mornings, like getting up and just grinding it out. Um, you know, my younger brother, David, who played at Merrill, and he went on to play at Green Bay um, and Pepperdine. He was in there with me a lot of times um, working out. We'd be shoveling courts off, Stangs Park in Merrill um, during the winter. But I miss that stuff, like getting in the gym and just really like having a goal and then just working extremely hard to try to pursue it with everything. Um, you know, it kind of consumes you a little bit. You get addicted to like that feeling of it. And that's probably the thing I miss the most um, about, you know, high school and coming into high school. At the end of the interview, when the recording was turned off, Jesperson told me he will always make time for North Central Wisconsin. Next up on the Reliving Moments segment of the Highlight Zone podcast, we take a peek into the 2019 national title winning UWSP Pointer men's hockey team. If you have a story idea for the Highlight Zone podcast, please email us at sports at WSAW.com. We'd love to hear from you.